I'd like to go back to Hebrews chapter uh, 13 this evening to look at this last uh, theme that we have uh, on leadership. And uh, we're going to look at uh, the verses particularly. I, I guess uh, I'm going to uh, switch about, get one or two verses from other places. But uh, look at verse 17, uh, particularly verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authorities. Uh, their authority keep watch over you as a man as men who must give account, obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Uh, sexual immorality, that is uh, the theme uh, that surrounds this verse here that we have on the screens. You are not your own, you were bought with a price. That's the, uh, that's the subject that Paul is dealing with in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, uh, about being sexually pure as Christians. And you may think, well, what, what has that got to do with leadership? Well, I, I guess it, like anything else, it, it should have a fair bit to do with leadership. And I guess over the years, uh, the number of leaders that have uh, lost their spiritual authority because of a lack of sexual uh, purity uh, would make it particularly relevant maybe to leaders. But I would like to just remind you and remind myself that there's a broader concept here that you are not your own, you were bought with a price. And it's one that relates to all of you, uh, all of us as Christians this evening, uh, that it's just uh, uh, the Holy Spirit's reminder to us that we are people who are under authority. That uh, Andrew was mentioning this morning, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price uh, Jesus in the Great Commission says, all authority under heaven and earth is given to me. And he says, go and make disciples, teaching them to do what? Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So we have this recognition right from the beginning that we are a people who are under authority. We are a people who are under Jesus' authority. We are a people who have been bought with a price. We're very special, uh, not in and of ourselves, but because of the ransom that's been paid for us. The blood of God, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has been shed in order for our salvation. And Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is, Colossians 1, before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, of which we are a part this evening. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So that Jesus has the supremacy in everything. Now may the God of peace, Hebrews 13, who through the blood of the eternal covenant bought back Jesus our, our, uh, from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. So you've got this picture that comes in many different places in the New Testament that uh, we are a people under authority. We are a people who are submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ because we are people who have been bought with a price. So we're encouraged, and I'm encouraging you in this last of the series uh, on leadership to consider uh, in the first place that we are people who submit to our great shepherd. It spoke about in verse 20 of Hebrews 13 where we're reading uh, uh, the Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, so that we're people who are to submit to this, our great shepherd. Now, I know that's quite, 
probably for an urban, sophisticated, uh, modern uh, congregation, the idea of being under a great shepherd is not an easy one for us because we don't really have day-to-day experience of shepherding. Well, some do, but not many have experience of shepherd. But uh, we'll hopefully unpack that a little bit in in different ways. And and we've heard a lot about it uh, over the years in our understanding of our relationship. But we're to submit to the great shepherd of uh, the sheep. Now, submission, uh, I would argue, is probably a, a bit of a dirty word for you. I'm not sure how many of us like that word, submission. It's got slavish connotations. Andrew very unhelpfully and harshly accused me of being a slave master to him this morning. How unfair. He's had a life of Larry. Larry. It's like, I'm only joking. He's worked very hard, and we've, we've struggled with every cup of coffee we've had to drink. It's all been, it's all been in the name of the gospel. Uh, but we do have that connotation uh, with submission, maybe even abusive connotations. And certainly in, in my upbringing, the idea of submission had behind it the idea of defeat, being nailed to the carpet by my big brother, bending my arm backward and saying, submit, submit, uh, or I'll break it. And of course, you shouted, Submit! And it was that whole idea of failure, of defeat, of getting beaten by your big brother. So that kind of, that goes right uh, from our childhood. There's this idea of submission has not been a good thing. But I do think we have to overcome that. We have to overcome the whole thinking behind that. And we recognize, don't we, that in the society in which we live, in the world in which we live, it's it's full of submission. Uh, There's submission in the home for children. Um, there's submission in the workplace to our bosses, there's submission uh, in the school to our teachers, there's submission in uh, the university to somebody, I'm sure. There's submission at various levels and in various Even probably in the anarchic society, there's submission and leadership to which the anarchists will bow at one level or another. And so it's just, we recognize naturally submission is there. It's part of the world in which we live. But spiritually, we embrace that. And we take that on board because of uh, who Jesus Christ is. And Jesus Christ is Lord. And when we've been baptized, or when we've confessed our faith, when we've said that we are Jesus Christ, when we've come into membership of the church, we've said Jesus Christ is our boss. Jesus Christ is our Lord. Jesus Christ is our leader. Jesus Christ is the one to whom we submit as the eternal God. More than anyone else we could ever submit to, we are in awe of Him. I wish we were more. I wish I was more. He is the author of our life. He has given me breath today. The gifts that I have are His. He is just. He is pure. He is good. He is holy. And He is my Lord. I have been made to worship and serve Him. He has redeemed me by His astonishing commitment to the cross. As His image bearer, I am being healed through grace. And I want to pray the Jesus prayer 
not my will, but yours be done. That, in a sense, is the core, the fundamental, the basic prayer of our lives, not my will, but yours be done. And that, of course, is an earthquake in our heart. It's an absolute tornado in our soul that we are making that prayer, which is a prayer for Jesus' will to be done, not our own. It challenges us at every point, in every aspect of every day of our lives. He is Lord, and He is our great shepherd, this great shepherd of the sheep who, like all great shepherds, knows us, feeds us, leads us, protects us. That's His work. I think I probably told you this before. I might have told you this story before. It's one of Katrina's stories about her dad, who's no longer with us, but her dad was a shepherd, and uh, he had probably about uh, roughly two and a half thousand sheep uh, at any one time. And uh, we went with him on holiday once to the borders, uh, to our cottage in the borders. And as we were driving through some of the fields, no, uh, well, driving through the fields, <laughs> we're driving through some of the roads even with fields on either side of them, he would be able to see, we would be able to sort the car and say, I know that's my sheep. That's one of my sheep. That's one of the sheep that was sold last year or two years ago. And he would know the sheep that had been his in the borders, which is hundreds of miles away from where he is in the highlands, uh, if you didn't know that. And he just had this knowledge of the sheep. And, and that, that is part of the picture that we have of Jesus uh, with us. He has this great knowledge this great desire to feed us, to lead us, to protect us, to care for us. And our, our solemn responsibility and privilege is to follow Him and to trust Him and to submit to Him in love because He's the great shepherd. And what does the great shepherd do? The great shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's the mark of his shepherding. That's the mark of his commitment that he lays down his life for the sheep. So our motivation to follow him is because as God, he lays down his life for us. That's the greatest sacrifice, isn't it? No one loves you more than that. You don't know anyone who loves you more than that. Even the best human being, if they laid down their life for you, wouldn't be loving you with the same purity and the same perfection as God did in giving himself and laying down his life for you in that way. A great cost Uh, the great shepherd of our sheep. So we're asked to submit to him. And that's the kind of foundation of what I'm saying tonight, that in our Christian lives, we have this fundamental and basic philosophy and thought process, which says we we are going to lay down, we are going to submit our lives. We're going to obey and serve Jesus Christ. He is Lord. I am his disciple. He's king. I am his citizen. He is God. I am his uh, creation. I'm one of his children. So then we have, following on from that, a responsibility to, and this is much harder, of course, isn't it, for all of us, to submit to his under-shepherds, those that he's appointed in the church. In Hebrews, in 1 Peter 5, says, to the elders among you, that's the church leaders, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be. Be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as as God wants you to be. So we have that 
picture, again in the New Testament, of God as the great shepherd, Jesus Christ the great shepherd, and in the church he appoints elders that are under shepherds uh, that are uh, to be uh, leaders in the church. He puts men in charge, as it were, of the church under himself that the church is to recognize and submit to. Hugely unpopular, hugely out of sync with the mode and structure of the society in which we love, but it remains the New Testament pattern that God has given us. We find that wherever God placed churches, wherever people became Christians, uh, in any village or town or city, that very soon after, the elders were appointed, ordained under God, to lead these churches. And we recognize that as something uh, significant. Um, that's part of the uh, First Peter uh, picture. But in Titus, he says, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder goes on to say, must be blameless, faithful to one wife, a man whose children believe, and so on, given the characteristics and the qualifications for eldership. But that New Testament pattern was set and hasn't been superseded and hasn't been changed. The church to be led by godly men who uh, the church recognizes has a significant gifting for leadership and who are mature Christians, uh, as you've seen already in earlier sermons on this subject, and who are servant leaders, who are under shepherds, who imitate Jesus, who are to be uh, recognized that they are to be like Jesus, accountable under God with that huge burden and huge responsibility and huge privilege. There's never been and there never will be and there never should be a mandate within the Scripture for an abuse of that position, an abuse of power, an authoritarianism or a dictatorial kind of uh, structure or model of church leadership. Our model as elders, as leaders in the church, is Jesus Christ, the servant leader who gave up his life, who washed the disciples' feet. And that's a huge burden and responsibility for the leaders of any church. But his model, his pattern for us as believers in the church is to submit to Jesus and to submit to his under-shepherds to recognize their place and position, and to obey them. We read that in Hebrews 13. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. <sighs> obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you. It's that shepherding picture. It's not that they're keeping an eye on you in a kind of judgmental or want to find out the worst things about you. It's keeping watch over you in that loving way in order to uh, reflect the love of Jesus Christ. Obey them. It's re repeated again. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. So Christ's expectation. What is Christ's expectation for us? It's to recognize his lordship in our lives and within the church, within the church structure, within the community within the family of believers, to recognize what? One, to recognize that you're part of the church as a believer. You're not part of the church by choice, but by design. 
You don't come and go from church and decide that you want to be part of the church or not be part of the church. By coming to Christ, by belonging to the head of the body who is Christ, you belong to the church of Christ. And we're going to look at that a little bit more in the next number of weeks when we look at membership by design. You're part of, in confessing Christ as your Lord, you're part of the worshiping family. You're part of the community of believers. You're part of His flock. So it simply isn't an option for you under Scripture and under the Word to ignore Him and His church and His family and His structures and the pastoral care that He set up and the accountability that He expects of us because the church is the bride of Christ that he shed his blood for. He is the head of this church to which we belong. And we come under it in all our individuality, in all our freedom, and all the joy that we share, we come under this authority structure. So we recognize that we're part of the church. We recognize the elders of the church as our spiritual leaders. You recognize them as your spiritual leaders. Um, no, I'm going to go back. To, I'll come back to that one. These are those who are set apart by God. Set apart and called to shepherds who have this duty to uh, lead and guide God's people. These then are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority, Jesus says. That is what we're to know and to recognize and to remember in our lives. We urge you, brothers, it's our duty to warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage and disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure nobody pays back wrong with wrong, strive to do what's good with each other and with everyone else. All these commands that were given in the New Testament, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience, careful instruction. And what we have here in this passage keep watch. That is what your spiritual leaders are are commanded to do. Keep watch, to be spiritually alert, to have a costly love for their people, that love that will be willing to die for them. It's not about position. It's not about power. It's not about popularity. It's about knowing, feeding, leading, and protecting. It must always be, your spiritual leaders must always be more than just your friends. They can't just be your friends. They must be more than that. They must be those to whom you're accountable spiritually, that will be honest with you, that will humbly challenge you about your life, that will rebuke you, that will be an encouragement to you, because they themselves must be that to one another and under Christ. Because as we're told here, we are people who give account. People that will stand before God for what we have done as leaders, for example, here in St. Columbia. What a great burden, but it's also an amazing uh, privilege and responsibility. So there is, recognize the elders as your spiritual leaders, and then uh, you're called to submit to their leadership. Called to come under their spiritual authority in your lives. You have a duty, as we're told here, obey your leaders, submit to their spiritual authority, their authority in the Lord. Be willing, 
In other words, as people in a congregation, in a family, be willing to be spiritually led. You ask any shepherd what it's like to lead recalcitrant sheep, sheep that always want to go the wrong way. It's not an easy thing to do. Biddable sheep are rare, but wonderful for the shepherd. And so spiritually, you know, you know that's the case, don't you? You know that you're called to acknowledge your leaders, uh, their lives, their example, and their role, and to be accountable to them, to be accountable and be honest with them, to work with them as they come to you with Scripture. And I think this is probably the key to the authority and leadership, that we come with the authority of Scripture and with the Word of Scripture into your lives. Hugely important. You know, leaders aren't coming into your Christian life and oughtn't to be coming into your Christian life with kind of uh, fancy ideas or their own opinions of what you should do. They're coming under Christ with His authority and His Word. And they're sharing that Word with you. And they're putting and seeking to put that Word into, uh, to apply that Word to your life. So come under uh, their leadership and res- uh, submission submit to that. Submit to the preaching and the teaching of God's Word as it reflects Scripture and the truth of Scripture to you. Learn from older Christians, formally and and informally, as we saw before. Come under their authority. Older women teaching and leading and guiding younger women and older men. Likewise, we saw that before. And allow our lives to be transformed by the power of the Spirit together as we are under submission to Christ's model and to Christ's teaching. Practice submission in our lives. It's easy to be sinfully individualistic from a leader's point of view and also from a congregation's point of view. To be unaccountable, to be uncommitted, to be complaining, to be grumbling, to take the huff if anyone challenges you about spiritual things or uh, exposes uh, aspects of your life that may be dishonoring to God. Easy to be dysfunctional in these areas. Easy to walk away. Easy to find fault with others who would seek to do that. And the only answer really to that is to be grace-filled together. To humbly work together and to humbly be exposed and open to one another's needs uh, spiritually. And therefore, when we do that, when we recognize that, when we're submitting to Jesus and to His teaching and to His structures within the church, and as we serve one another in that way, leaders serving and people following and submitting, then we create biblically joy. We create joy. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Leaders well-led and being followed under Christ creates joy. And in 23 years of ministry, at a wider level, what seems to have been the case is friction. Lots of friction in churches, lots of division, lots of separation, 
lots of lovelessness and lots of our, a lack of submission to Jesus and to his truth at a wider level. That seems sometimes to be the case. But by God's grace and goodness and love in the churches that I've served in, I've known such joy because of the people. And that is a, something to protect and to recognize and to give thanks to God for. Because I think for many people that is rare. And yet joy is so important to us in our lives so that our service and our work and our offering to Christ is joyful both as people and as leaders within the church. May it be a pleasure to serve Christ through serving one another as servant leaders and as people under authority. And may we recognize uh, submission in its rightful biblical context, a voluntary submission of love to the one who gave his life for us. And may we likewise give our lives to him. Amen. Let's bow our heads briefly in prayer. Thank you, Lord God, for your truth and for your word. Thank you for uh, the structures that you have left in place. We know that they will be ridiculed and sniggered at and laughed at in this modern and sophisticated society, but we thank you that they are based on your truth and your knowledge of our hearts and your knowledge of what will bring joy. And uh, we pray that we would be submissive uh, as Christians in the rightful sense of being submitting to the right uh, lordship of Jesus Christ, acknowledging his great shepherding concern for our lives, even when it's difficult, even when it seems that he's far away, even when we don't understand what he's doing, that we would trust, that we would persevere, that we would not thrash out at maybe other people instead and the church and blame the church and its leaders with all our feelings and faults, that rather we would submit to uh, understanding Christ's ways and trusting even when we can't see them. Lord, give us that sense of joy and help us to uh, be accountable to one another and receive rebuke and encouragement and uh, teaching and give it also, because we have that type of relationship together. May we not just be Sunday Christians, but help us to look out for, and each of us have, as it were, a shepherd's heart for one another. For Jesus' sake, amen.